Hello and welcome to season two of Mindset Matters with Victoria Williamson, the podcast where we choose to look at life through a lens of resilience, presence, and gratitude. This year, myself and my inspiring guests are going to help you transform your mindset, improve your overall outlook on life, from relationships to friendships to career and everything in between. So thank you for tuning in and let's hop into today. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mindset Matters. My name is Victoria, and I'm very excited to be bringing a new guest with you today. So we are joined by uh, Andre Bazout. Andre and I connected thanks to a mutual friend, shout out Felipe, um, who told me a little bit about Andre's incredible story, his passion for all things mindset and resilience, and his amazing journey through pain and what he would call optional suffering. So I'm sure this conversation will be inspiring or helpful to anyone dealing with illness, pain, and anyone who's fascinated, just as us, about the mind-body connection. So welcome, Andre. I'm glad to be chatting with you today. Yeah, likewise. Um, I'd love to hear, you were just at Tony Robbins. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? How was it? Um, How do I describe it? It was amazing. It was okay. absolutely amazing. Um, just, yeah, go for it. I don't know if it's yeah. like a course or a treat. Like, how would you describe? Yeah. So, have you ever have you ever like watched his videos or you're, you're like aware of his kind of background? A little bit. Yeah, I haven't okay. dove into him, but I have. Like, yeah, I've seen him here and yeah. there. Yeah, uh, I probably. It's funny because like every person I meet kind of has a different like story of how they kind of came across him. Mm. Uh, I think this is a random YouTube video is like when I was 15, 16 and I read one of his books and I remember one of the things he said, it's like humans are wired to go towards pleasure and away from pain. And I thought that was really cool. And I always remember thinking back my for years, like for years. Wow. I think that guy's really cool. I'd love to like go to one of his events or like, I don't know. I'd, like I want to learn more from him. Uh, and it was randomly... I messaged one of the guys I work with. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to go on this event. Do you recommend it? He's like, absolutely. I'm going to buy your ticket right now. And he just bought the ticket for me. And I went to it and it was like, Tony's events are known for being really intense. So it's an event where like you're literally jumping up and down, right? And you're like high-fiving people. You're like hugging random strangers you met like hours ago. Uh, you're like sharing deep intimate secrets like at day three, four, five. Because like you've been with them for like 15 hours a day. For like three, four days, going till 3 a.m., talking about like deep personal stuff. Um, it's absolutely amazing in the fact how it's literally a private example of like what we just talked about, like the mind, the body connection. Mm-hmm. So he talks about literally, guys, if I did like six days events, a six day event, and you guys just sat there and take notes, you would literally be like, oh, that's interesting, Tony. Like, I didn't know that about relationships, or I didn't know that about the human psychology. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I get you jumping up and down, the reason I get you moving, the reason I get you pl- playing this music, you play like amazing songs, by the way, uh, is because of a simple reason. Where were you September 11th? It was like asking a question. Do you remember where you were September 11th? September 11th, 2001. I don't know. I remember like right after school... Yeah, I don't know. I have a vivid memory of like being talked to by my family. Yeah. But I don't remember super the details of like where I was exactly. 
Well, you remember being talked to. Like, you remember an yeah, interaction with absolutely. your Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, what about, like, September 10th, the day before? Do you remember? Mm, no. Yeah. So he gives that example a lot because it's like mm. information is only retained with emotion. Mm. So if I just had you sitting down there like writing notes, you wouldn't be retaining. You'd be like, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. I'm going to write yeah. that. I'm going to like underline that. I'm going to highlight that mm-hmm. one. But you wouldn't be retaining it. That's yeah. why he gets you like literally in these different states, what he calls states, literally. Okay. And that's where you're going to retain it and like ingrain it in your body. Yeah. I could talk about this for hours and hours, 27. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Because again, it's like this great example of how our brain and our mind is connected to our body. Totally. Well, I took yeah. psychology in school and even okay. I remember this vivid class of this one lecture that I could remember because we were talking about the amygdala and like memory and everything and yeah. how when we want to try to remember, like if we're studying and we want to remember something, try to connect whatever you're studying to like something that brings you emotion and the my lecturer she would always talk about well for her her sister's name is amy so she yeah. could always remember the amygdala and what it was about because she would just yeah. connect it in some way to her sister's name and like i always that always stuck with me yeah. um, and i'm actually a teacher so every time i try to work with my students it's like okay how do we get them to like feel something about what they're learning not just yeah. me telling them here's yeah. how to do this because it just they don't yeah, if you don't care, you don't care. And it's gonna you're not gonna remember it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And so what would you say was like your biggest takeaway from biggest takeaway? It's funny because like every now and then I'll like I'm really big on audio messages. So every now and then I'll send like an audio message to Felipe. I'm like, Felipe, this is the biggest takeaway I had from the event. And then like two days okay. later I'm like, No, 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 this is the biggest takeaway. Mm. Um Quite a few, actually. I'll kind of like rattle off some now. One is, oh, I love this one because I remember this first day I like wrote it, underlined it. So probably people listening to this are probably achievers. They're probably people with high standards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Often people think they have high standards means beating themselves up when they don't, let's say, Mm -hmm. do what they said they were going to do when they don't do it in the time they say where they're going to do it, right? Or they don't do the routine they set out for themselves. But it's often beating yourself up that'll like lower your energy. When you're lowering your energy, it's very hard to make change. Mm-hmm. Very hard, right? Um, so you think having high standards means beating yourself up and holding yourself responsible, right? But what does responsible mean? Responsible, what he talks about is responsible means responsible. Your response able to mm. get yourself out of a situation, change it. Just like you got yourself in it, you can change it. Um, yeah, I could go on for hours and hours. Um, one of the other ones, we we're talking about the mind-body connection. A lot of people will associate things they've done with like saying, oh, this is who I am. Mm. When you start understanding on a deeper level, it's like, oh, this is really just a pattern you've been having in your life. You haven't realized you this is like a subconscious belief right that's a term totally. a lot of people talk about you haven't really realized that you've always kind of believed that you always kind of believe that when people say this um this is what they mean so for an example he does a lot of what he calls interventions at the event so a lot of people who are suicidal stand up 
be like, people are suicidal, please stand up. And he's asked, he's filled out for, uh, people fill out forms for the event. So he knows people who are suicidal and he's actually monitoring throughout the event. And a lot of people stand up and he'll ask some questions like, what's going on? Wow. And one of the things he's always looking at is what words are people using? And um, for the example he gives a lot too is sometimes you'll hear people say, that person stabbed me in the back. Mm. And he's always like, okay, well, show me the scar. Like, where did they stab you in the back? Like, where, like, where was it? Was it upper back, lower back, middle back? It's like, well, they didn't stab me in the back. They, they uh, I don't know, they, they screwed me over in a business deal. Oh, well, when you say stabbed in the back, your body understands that in a certain way, right? But we don't even realize that. So mm-hmm. often even situations in my own life, I'm like, whoa, I couldn't even believe I was using these words to describe the situation. No wonder I feel like this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, often when people sometimes are explaining these situations, I'm like, well, shit, if I thought of it like that way, I would be pretty upset too. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Like the power of the subconscious mind. Power of the subconscious mind. It's like mind. you don't realize how powerful your thoughts are. And I think that's a lot what I talk about is like, okay, our mindset and like everyday things and annoyances and not letting those things bother you and like ruin your whole day. But obviously what we're going to get into a little bit later is like, okay, what about the bigger things? Because I think my audience is used to me talking about, okay, you're stuck in traffic. Don't let it ruin your day or our mindset Mm -hmm. in dealing with relationships. But then, yeah, it's like people will argue, well, what about the big things? And I think our everyday mindset can kind of help prepare us for the big things. But at the same time, it's like it kind of tests us in like a whole other level when we're dealing 100%. with things like pain and loss and grief. 100%. Um, or like you're mentioning, people who are su- suicidal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Well, I think that's such a cool experience. It's amazing. I would love to do something like that one day. I feel like it's interesting how you're talking about even just getting to know people on a deeper level within like a few days. It's Mm -hmm. insane how much when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you're in like a space where you know people are there for the same reasons, like how easy it Mm -hmm. is to just be like, hey, I could tell you my whole life story. Meanwhile, it takes us forever to like open up to people in our daily life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it also relates to a lot of what I was talking about, about kind of how like the state, right? So even throughout the whole event, he's kind of getting you moving. He's getting you high-fiving people, right? He's getting you sharing experiences. And at first you're not like, hey, this really tough thing is going on in my life. And the first time you're sharing the experience with someone, but by day three or four, like people are sharing a lot more open stuff and um you start kind of really internalizing like wow i can really be a lot more comfortable here right i don't have to um put on a mask there's a kind of expression right mm-hmm. um it's super powerful and it's something i want to like, really because really, without the truth there's nothing you can't like you need the truth right if you're just bullshitting yourself or just bullshitting the story, you're not getting to what's actually happening. And then 
there's like so many different levels that we talk about it. But if you're not actually talking about what's happening, you think it's, you say it's X reason, right? So there's so many examples. And what I'd really recommend for anyone listening to this, I recommend to you is if you actually, there's a couple of examples of interventions that Tony does on YouTube. One example I was just watching is this kind of a crazy example. And it's kind of like a, whoa, a guy stands up and he says, I'm thinking about leaving my wife. Whoa, that's a big thing. Yeah, my wife's actually here at the event. Everyone's like, whoa. Wow. And he's like, why do you want to leave your wife, sir? Well, I just don't feel physically attracted to her anymore. Whoa. And like, I'm watching it on YouTube. Like, I think it's like 15-year-old video. So 15 years later, super uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, whoa. And he even talks about that, right? He's like, everyone at one point or another feels, what you just said feels that because we all wonder if we're enough, Right. Mm-hmm. We all have that underlying fear for enough to be loved. Um, but as he goes deeper and deeper into it, it's like, I don't think that's it, actually. And he goes deeper and deeper into it. He realizes there's some underlying emotions with his wife. The reason he's thinking about leaving is because that what feels gives him power in the relationship because he feels like he has none. His wife's got his like, balls in her hand, basically. <laughs> his hand, her hands. Yeah. And he has no power. So he, so a, a lot of things we say the superficial reasons, mm. but that's not actually what's going on. So yeah. when you get to a level where you can be so much more comfortable, where you are so much more comfortable and vulnerable, that doesn't mean there's no risk of getting hurt, right? Like totally. I, you can easily come across an asshole or you can come across a person that's not that great. Um, but if you only by opening up, do you actually get the value in the gains? I think the same thing is with like love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Giving yourself loving to someone else, it's a bit scary too. Yeah. Like, fuck. It's like, I could get hurt. Yeah. But when you just give love, just just give. You don't worry about anything else. The rewards are immense. Mm. So that's a whole other point. But yeah, I, the, the point of getting underneath and just being vulnerable with it. Yeah. Um, we live in a society that's very, what's that expression? It's like two inches deep, mile wide. Yeah. Right? Well, I was going to say like, even from, okay, you're in an environment like Tony Robbins where you're naturally feeling more comfortable and he's doing these yeah. ex- exercises to get you in this state. So what would you even say to someone who's like, okay, well, just in my everyday, I'm having trouble being vulnerable or opening up. Like, I really want to talk to my friend about XYZ or my partner about how I'm feeling, but I don't even know where to start or I'm afraid that they're going to leave me or like, you know, People who are just yeah. not in that state where they don't really know or they don't feel like they can fully open up. Like, what advice would you give those yeah. people? Uh, I'd say state is based on three things. And this is probably the most important thing. Focus. Right? So are you focused that, uh, I don't know, my boyfriend or girlfriend might leave me if I say this? Or are you focused on the fact that saying this is going to make our relationship stronger? Mm, make me happier. Make him happier. Right, there's always and like, a choice. Relieve a weight on your shoulders. Like, yeah, it feels good to express yourself, even if you don't know 100%. what the response is going to be. Yeah, hundred percent. There's like power in that too. There's so much power. Right. So focus, I'd say, is number one. At the end of the day, um, we don't live life; we live life the, fo- the life we focus on. Mm. If you're a billionaire. And all you can focus on is what you don't have. You live a life of not having. You live a life of lack. Mm-hmm. If you have, I don't know, 
let's say you don't have the financial money, but you focus on all the amazing things you have, the relationships, right? The health, the inner peace. You have a life of inner peace, relationships, and health, right? Yeah. Um, so I'd say focus number one is for the state, right? Is it opportunity where everything goes or is it opportunity to make things even better? Uh, language, right? Language relates to a lot to the meaning that we give to things, right? So am I going to screw this person over or am I going to set them free, right? Mm. A lot of the language we use, it's about being very conscious about the language you use because we don't realize we're using it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is like physiology, like just moving. Those are a lot of things that it's a bit of sleep, a bit of like nutrition and stuff, but even just about active moving, right? So he has this jumping up and down. If we were just sitting, like you don't, are inherently, we think our brains tend to think that we're super, super smart and that we don't need the body, right? And that we can outwork the body and then whatever, get enough money and then pay a doctor to fix it later. Yeah. Our body is like this amazing ancient machine, right? That we can harness to do better and bigger things. So it's working with your body. Mm-hmm. So I'd say those three things. Focus, which talks about what are you focusing on? Is it the beginning or the end? Uh, the language, what words are you using describing it, mm-hmm. right? And then your body. So sometimes it could literally just be as simple as sleep. Sometimes it can literally just be like going for a walk. Mm-hmm. And if you're that expression like going for a walk, wow, I look at this completely differently now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I was even saying like maybe if you have a tough conversation that you want to have with someone, maybe ask them to go for a walk because then you're yeah. both kind of moving, you're in an open space yeah. versus there can be a lot more pressure when you're like sitting face to face and you oh, have this yeah. huge or whatever conversation that it is. So 100%. yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, for sure. Maybe you growing up or just yeah. your hobbies like what kind of kid were you yeah uh, what, kind of, what a Take great question what a great question i love that question what kind of kid was i i was really playful as a kid okay. like really uh i don't know why but like i love these memes of raccoons and i think they just remind me of as a kid because it's mischievous just like running around doing mischievous shit uh <laughs> But really playful, always love smiling, always love laughing a lot. My mom always says I wouldn't cry as a baby. I would just laugh a lot, wow. which is funny. Yeah. Um, must have been nice for her. Yeah. For her, <laughs> I definitely I think so. It was better than my brother. Yeah. Um, then the other thing, as a kid, uh, I was always really interested in the idea of entrepreneurship. So basically, when I was like three or four, I was like, I'm gonna, I want to be a lawyer. Like My grandpa's a lawyer. My dad's a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. Um, and then my mom was like, you know, if you're a lawyer, you can't move countries because every country, every continent has kind of different laws, right? I'm like, oh, well, okay, I'm not going to be a lawyer then. And I basically am like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I didn't know how to spell the word, but I knew I wanted to be that. <laughs> and uh, for me, entrepreneurship at the time meant kind of carving my own path, doing my own thing, doing things differently, right? Mm-hmm. So I always knew that. I was re- always really interested by business. I always knew that that's what I wanted to study and just get better at. And kind of growing up, I moved around a lot. So it was always interesting. And that was one of the things I realized too. Um, I moved around a lot, my dad being a diplomat. Like the way it works is every five years, you move 
back to the country we're from, which is Uruguay, and then two years in Uruguay, and then you move to another country for five years. It's like this cycle. Okay. Um, what was really interesting, though, was like a big mindset shift for me, though, about what was like, I think it took me about 20 years, but I learned it, um, was I looked at every time I had to move as like this really like awful, challenging thing. Like, oh, I have to move to a different country. I have to like lose my friends here. I have to make new friends there. I have to like uh, learn maybe a new language or maybe, I don't know, just adopt a new culture and all these things. Um, it was until I was 2021, like, oh, that was like, some people would kill for that. Like, that's amazing opportunity. I don't have to lose my friends. I get to make more new friends. I have to go experience different cultures. I get to go learn a different language. I get to go try new food. I get to go see new places. And I was like, wow, that is literally a 180 degree shift. Same event, me moving countries. I feel completely different about it. Yeah. I think that's like, that's hard as a kid. Cause all you see is like my friends, like that's what's most important. Um, but it's good once you kind of realize, I think there's so many things that once you kind of realize it, obviously later, once you grow up a bit, yeah. you're like, oh, that was actually good. I wish I wasn't so upset about that. And I yeah. think in the moment, it's like, it's so fair that you felt that as a kid. I think any yeah. kids would. 100%. But yeah. wow, what about, what cool thing that you have of like all those experiences now? 100%. Back and are you still in touch with people that, you moved oh, yeah. around from then yeah, yeah i guess now it's easier with having more technology yeah. and everything yeah. really cool and did you have like hobbies growing up then or were you active uh great question did you, like, i played kind of yeah i played some sports i wasn't super active but uh, like used to play football used to play do wrestling i'm from south america my soccer skills are always like iffy okay. uh, but i play some <laughs> soccer but more, funny enough, I did more like the aggressive sports, like football, wrestling. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd love to get into a little bit about what we were kind of going to dive into today. Yeah, like for sure. Pain and suffering. I know something you mentioned to me in the email, which I loved, was that you said, you know, pain is inevitable, Yeah. but uh, suffering is optional. I think yeah. that's what you said. So can you yeah. lead me up to like beginning of 2019? Like where were yeah. you? What yeah. was your life like? And then like what happened? Um, yeah. So it actually started a few years earlier. It started in 2016. Okay. So still in university. It was at University of Ottawa. And I remember I woke up one day and I just, it was after I went out the night before. And I felt like hungover. Oh my God, that's normal. I like I did party. It was my birthday last night. Uh, so, but I just remember being like a week later, I still felt hungover. Like, that's mm. weird, but whatever. I got exams. I'll just power through it. And then it was like a two or three months. I still didn't feel normal. Kind of felt weird, like fatigued. Um, and basically started seeing doctors. And when you start going on a doctor path on this stuff, what I had, it was referrals to one doctor, referrals to another let's start you on this medication, let's start you on that medication, let's start you on this diet, let's start you on that. Mm. And at first they, thought, they just thought I had like burnout. out. They just thought I was, yeah, basically burnt out. Um, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm probably just burnt out. I'm just going to like take it easy for a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really just didn't get better. I just got a bit better. Not really. And it wasn't until 2019 uh, that I got to a point where I spent the year in bed. 
So, wow. end of 2018, uh, there were periods where I would just get knocked out and I like basically get like get up from my bed for two weeks at a time, and then I'd be able to get up, walk around a bit the house. And it was 2018 actually got to a point where I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't move. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it was a move where it was like, I couldn't move where it's like, can you scratch my nose? Can you feed me? Because I can't feed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole nine yards in terms of like, can you move me in bed? All these things. And when something like that uh, is going on, it was really painful. It was really... I had a lot of, like, I was furious. I was, like, oh, yeah. angry. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the thing was, like, I just can't remember thinking. Um, so it was weird. The thing, uh, the thing I had, I can just tell you it's a bit of context. It's mm-hmm. called chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. Okay. So it's getting a bit more popular now. It's not very well known. But it's getting a bit more popular now because of long COVID. So quite a few people who've developed long COVID, they end up developing this called chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, the sacronym, sacronym is ME. It's also often called that quite a lot. Uh, and some people get it really bad, uh, like more severe. That was end up what happened with me. And uh, it's weirdly because it's like you almost start going through like uh, quicksand. Mm. So at first where I was in bed, and then a few weeks afterwards, it's like I couldn't move. Um, we're, then I couldn't even watch TV because it's just too stimulating for me. Wow. It was just kind of crazy. I couldn't listen to music because it was too stimulating for me. I, um, I couldn't read because it was too stimulating for me. Um, and there were days where I just couldn't talk because I just didn't have the energy for it. Wow. So it's just crazy. Yeah, at the time... The thing I always found, though, is, like, um, there's a book I'd read before and then since I've read quite a few times. Uh, the book, A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Okay. Do you know that one? No. I can't recommend it enough. It's um, by a Jewish psychologist. I want to say he's a psychologist who lived the concentration camps in, during World War II. And he talks about the experience of going through the concentration camps and uh, how some people survived and others didn't. And he talks about what it meant for him to go through those challenges of being, seeing his friends die, seeing his wife die, losing all his possessions, being enslaved essentially for years. Mm-hmm. Being in a, what some people would call really tough condition. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he talks about the, the experience of it and what it meant for him was, this is my understanding of the book and it's a pretty well discussed book, but it's an opportunity for him to transcend himself, to be bigger than the opportunity. Mm. So although they could imprison him, they couldn't take away his ability to choose what it meant and no one can. Uh, I realized when I was the first few months, probably the first six, seven, eight months, I was in a lot of pain and I kept on focusing what everything I was losing. I kept on focusing how I couldn't listen to music. I kept on focusing on how I couldn't watch TV or just distract myself 
I couldn't reach out to friends. My friends mm-hmm. were in another continent. I was in Uruguay at the time. They were in mostly in Canada. Um, I kept on focusing on all these things. I kept on focusing on, I had no idea how the fuck I was going to get better because all the doctors I saw had no fucking idea. And there's just a lot of anger. Um, and a lot of like frustration. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I want to say it was one point, but it wasn't one point that just flipped out. I think it was a culmination of like events. Um, but every now and then I get it like strong enough where I could use my cell phone for a bit. It wasn't just simulating. I'd maybe use it for like 20 minutes or something. And I came across this, uh, meme and it was this great, great meme. It was a uh, meme of a, it's literally said, uh, get bitter or get better. Mm. It's really that simple. Okay. And I was like thinking about that like and that. yeah, I was like, I mean, okay. easier said than done, but good for you for like trying to take it in and consider it. I think it's patterns. I think it's patterns and choices, right? Totally. Um, there was an example, the guy who posted the meme, he's like, look, I'm a guy who went to prison for 20 years. I was wrongly convicted. DNA testing, like, like, let me free. Prove that I wasn't guilty for the crime they accused me of. And I get out of jail and a lot of people are like, wow, you must be so angry. You must be fucking furious. Like, you must want to kill everyone. And what I always tell them is get bitter or get better. It's a choice we always have at any moment. Um... And that was when I thought about it a lot. And I don't know if it was around that time, but I have this like really good ability that I've just kind of like nurtured. And I think it's literally from like moving around a lot of kind of like uh, the way I call it is just creating meaning. Okay. And I remember I kept on thinking like, you know what? This is good. Like this is going to make amazing fucking story when I get out of this. Mm. this is i used to organize a conference at university um really fun it was an entrepreneurship conference and i'm like i'm gonna go back to that conference and i'm gonna share my story of how i recovered and i would play this in my mind and i'd visualize it like hundreds of times a day of like me being on the stage at this conference mm-hmm. having organized it before but me coming back as a speaker and sharing the words i'm recovered yes i love that yeah I love that making meaning. I feel like I've done this too. I love what that what you call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like when anything happens, I'm dealing with a knee injury that's been on and off like two years. I finally got surgery. But it's like for a while it was like, okay, this happened for a reason or I knew I'm going to get surgery at the perfect time. Yeah. And I kept like putting this meaning to it. And I do feel 100%. like it ended up I got surgery at the perfect time and the time I have now to do the things I want to do and et cetera. Like it's, it did happen at a perfect time. So I'm like, okay, that's me kind of making meaning yeah. in my own way. So I think, 100%. Tr- yeah, it's like tricking yourself into choosing to look at it in a certain way. So, uh, one of the things probably actually the biggest, biggest, biggest takeaway from the Tony Robbins event, mm-hmm. it's all self-made beliefs. All life is self-made beliefs. But the key to life is choosing the most empowering ones. I love that. Yeah. I couldn't agree it's all that. It's all beliefs. It's all beliefs that we choose and make up. But it's about choosing the most empowering ones. And it's not that ones are better than the others. It's not that one person's like, oh, they're doing all this wrong. And I'm doing it right. No. Mm-hmm. 
to certain beliefs and patterns are useful to live the life you want, to live an extraordinary life, and others aren't. It's really that simple. It's not that one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. Some people have the pattern of when they get stressed, they eat. And that tends to put on weight, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not them. That's just a pattern. Yeah. Some people, when they get stressed, they go work out. Just a different pattern, right? Definitely. But one, one pattern is better than the other. Just one helps you, is more useful to live an extraordinary life. So when you start identifying those patterns, and a lot of the Tony Robbins has been, it's literally that. Like, oh, wow. When I do feel a little bit of tension in my body sometimes, my first immediate reaction is go to the fridge and get something to eat. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. And often when I would do that, I'd beat myself up and I'd call myself a fat pig. And why can't I lose weight and all these things? That's where your focus is. And those are the patterns. But when you realize that's not you, it's just a pattern. You don't need to beat yourself up for it. Because the other big thing is, um, are you the only person? Let's take the example of the person that does that. That when they're stressed, they go to the fridge and get food. Mm-hmm. Um, and just consistently, and it's bothering their health, they're having health issues, uh, and it's something maybe where the doctor's telling me, hey, we need to adjust your weight. Um, people will start to identify themselves with that and they'll start to beat themselves up over that. But when you kind of distance yourself from it and ask, am I the only person in history who's ever done this? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And when you actually have it, like, definitely not. Am I the only person in the future who will ever do this? Probably not. And definitely fucking not. <laughs> I'm the only other person doing this like right now? Yeah. No. Definitely There's a not. million of us in our fridge right now. 100%. So wait, is, is it actually me? Or is it just a pattern? Mm. Oh, it's not me. It's just a pattern. Yeah. Because if it's me, it's a bit hard to change. But if it's just a pattern that millions of people have done before, millions of people are doing now, millions of people will do in the future, oh, maybe I can change that. I can change it. Yeah, and it's like bringing that self-awareness of like recognizing or learning to recognize your thoughts and your patterns and your habits. Because if you don't know you're doing it and yeah, you just think, oh, this is me. Well, this is me. Oh, I thought everyone, I thought this is, I thought this is how it had to be. I thought it had to be that you had to be miserable when you change countries. I thought that's how the world worked. Mm. I didn't realize, oh, you could be really happy changing countries because you do do all these things. I had that belief before when I was a kid, right? Yeah, definitely. yeah, um, but I think we, I know you had a question that kind of deviated a bit. What, were we, what was the question you just mentioned? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> but I did have a good sign. The conversation just in. went. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had, when you were talking about attention and like the where yeah. your attention goes, I wanted to bring up, um, have you heard of the book Cure? No. It says, no. it's a journey into the science of mind over body. So okay, this might cool. be up your alley. Um, but... The author talks a lot about like placebo effect and just different illnesses. Actually, I think one of the earlier chapters, I repicked it up before nice. our conversation, nice. but I read it a while ago or I started it a while ago. Um, and I think chronic f- fatigue syndrome is in the book. Yeah, the I, believe I, would be- I would definitely believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't remember too much about that, so I won't speak on it. But one of the chapters I was just reading they were taking, they were looking at attention and how we only have a certain amount of attention. Mm-hmm. And so they were testing out virtual reality 
with or for burn victims. So these burn victims, while they had to go through super painful physiotherapy, they started to test out, okay, headphones on, you're in virtual reality, and they're immersed in this experience, Mm -hmm. and their pain levels went way down because Mm. they're talking about, okay, we only have a certain amount of attention, so if you actively move your attention away from the pain, then Mm -hmm. that can significantly decrease it. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you experienced oh, at all percent. once yeah. you were trying to start visualizing and everything? A thousand percent. Our bodies, um, our bodies can't tell, right? What we're seeing in our heads versus what's right in front of us. Mm-hmm. So if I take, for example, the typical example people say is a cyber two tiger, right? But let's say adapted to something more modern. Um, Let's say something of like home invasion. It was like something that, whoa, right? As even let's say home invasion is something that's especially relevant to you. You're going to say those words, home invasion, home intruder, robber. Mm -hmm. You can start feeling in your body. Yeah. Right? You may feel some tension in the shoulders, right? You may feel your hands clenching. Maybe especially if you actually have had someone invade your house, right? You may like like bring back some memories. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think it's really clear, like, we understand the fucking brain and the mind are associated with the body. It's as simple as with words, you can make a person cry. Mm-hmm. With words, you can make a person laugh. With words, you can make a person really fucking angry. With the words, so it's like, wait, what? With a conversation, you can make someone really angry. With a conversation, you can make someone really sad and cry and physically cause change in their body. We're having conversations in here all the time. So how the same? How can the same not happen? Mm. So when you start seeing that thing that you want, often a lot of people talk about visualization and seeing, seeing as it is already done. You're taking this vision and ingraining it in your body. So your body acts like that. Right? And the whole expression, say financial, like the expression of like walking around like a millionaire, walking around like you've already achieved, let's say that financial goal, for example. Right? Um, being that person is going to let you allow those things to become so much easier to you. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, hundred percent, uh, really found that in my experience visualizing those things because I could feel it in my body. Mm. Right. I could literally feel it in my body. And I was training myself and training my body and putting in the repetitions and putting in the practice for doing that. But if I'd literally shifted my focus to, how I couldn't move, how I shifted my focus, how there were days I couldn't talk, how I shifted my focus on that. That's where all my energy was going to go. That's where all my life was going to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the example, and I think it's an amazing example that we give for focus, and Tony talks about this a lot. Let's say you're driving and your car spins out of control. You're driving along a street and your car spins out of control. But every driving instructor will tell you is, Focus your gaze, get your focus on where you want to go. Mm. If you focus on the tree that you might hit, you will naturally subconsciously fucking steer and hit that tree. Crazy. It is crazy. It's absolutely, but often though, when our car is spinning out of control, our first instinct is to look at the tree. I don't want to hit that tree. I don't want to hit that tree. And the next thing you know, you're fucking steering towards you because that's where your eyes are. But it's like, we want to witness ourselves fuck up. Yeah, I'm laughing because as a kid, this brought back a vivid memory. As a kid, every time I went sledding, 
I was the kid who would always hit the tree and my dad mm. was always like, I can't take you sledding because you keep hitting the tree. So we went to a new park. I, I kid you not. There's literally one fucking tree and it's open space. And I still ended up steering towards the tree. My dad had to teach me how to like bail off my sled at like a little age. So that's just funny because that's go. probably what it yeah, was. Consciously, I'm thinking, oh, I always hit the tree. So I'm going to hit the tree. Yeah. I'm like, don't hit the tree. Don't hit the tree. You're focusing on the tree. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's true. Um, so when you were in kind of this period of time, were you mm-hmm. able to contact like other family and friends or yeah. were you wanting to kind of keep what was happening really close knit? Yeah. Like I'm sure it would be challenging to want to even share that if you even could. So what kind of was that experience with like your interpersonal relationships? Great question. Um, so the way I actually communicated was my dad would turn on my cell phone and he would open up like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or whatever. And he would click record like audio message and I would talk. Right. The days mm. if I was feeling up for it and everything. Uh, and then I would talk, but I always mention recording when you write back to me, do not, uh, please don't reply as an audio. Because if you reply as an audio, I can't hear it. But if you write it out, then my dad can read it to me. Mm. So that's literally how I communicated for like months and months. Mm-hmm. I never told people exactly what was going on. A lot of my close friends, obviously people in the vicinity physically came to visit me, obviously. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I had the belief at the time that if I told people, I didn't want anyone to, this is one of my internal beliefs, and I didn't want to change how I looked at myself. So I had the belief that if I told people, they were going to look at me differently. So later out of that in 2018, I got into a wheelchair in 2020. I got some strength and I was able to actually sit up. You know, when I actually got able to sit up, like sit up in bed, sit up in everything, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I can be in a wheelchair. Right? So I moved in around in a wheelchair. And that's when I was actually able to jump on, like, use my computer. So I was able to jump on, like, video calls and I'd, like, talk to my friends and stuff. I never told them I was in a wheelchair. I just told them I was going through a health situation. They had no idea. Yeah. Um, and it was something very conscious I did because I didn't want anyone to look at me differently because I was concerned that I would look at myself differently. And mm-hmm. that I knew was a really key, key point, even though I didn't kind of, like, didn't really fully understand. But I knew I could never look at myself as a victim. Yeah. And if I ever looked at myself as a victim, I would become that. And that would just be this vicious cycle, right? So even I never wanted to talk to other people that had the same health situation as me, right? Mm. That's another thing too. I never used, say, the words I was sick. Never. It was until 2019, there was a guy I met who was a shaman, funny enough, because at that point, you're seeing everyone and everyone. You're seeing grandmas, priests, shamans, everything. Um, And my mom was like, oh, Andre's sick. He's like, no, he's not sick. Is a health situation completely changed how I felt about it, right? So ever since then, I never talk about. I don't even use the word sick. Nothing. I just mm-hmm. say a thing or a health situation. That's it. Again, too, because the language we associate it becomes experience. Totally. I even remember when you first emailed me, you didn't say what it was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know yeah. if you just didn't want to write it, or but that makes sense to be like, yeah, yeah, it's just a thing. There's just a thing. Uh, one guy, uh, the guy I work with, when I first told him, I was like, yeah, I had a thingy-majig. <laughs> That's what I called it, a thingy-majig. Yeah. Just a thing. Uh, just a thing. Just a thing. And uh, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want anyone to – I thought they may look at me differently, which looking back at it, I could really pull people. But 
I didn't want, I really didn't want to take any chance in me looking at myself differently. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't even want to meet other people that had this thing. Because I knew if I started talking to them, they'd be complaining. They'd be, oh, this hurts. I can't do this. No. And I mm-hmm. never wanted to focus on that. Yeah. And I didn't want to go to any support groups. I didn't because I didn't feel like I needed support. Okay. I felt like I needed to get better. Yeah. Again, focus. Uh, like even even at one point, I got recommended a physiotherapist when I was in my wheelchair. And I remember um, I remember uh, the doctor recommended me. She's like, you know, she does really good work. I'm like, great. So I called her and uh, I called her and she's like, you know what? I've helped people that had a lot of pain. They have a bit less pain. situation. Okay, cool. Like, I, I want to help you live a comfortable life. Like, let's get you more comfortable. I'm like, no, no. I don't want to be comfortable. I'm mm. going to walk. I want you to help yeah. me walk. Um, and I never wanted to talk to other people that had this thing because I never wanted to risk seeing myself as a victim. And I don't think I thought of itself that so so consciously, but I think it was really subconscious at that point. Now that I can look at it consciously and realize what I what I'm doing, and even when I do situations or anything similar to that, I'm very conscious of how um, who I'm becoming, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, I never never did really want to tell them. So it was when I actually recovered after that I told people. I told people, hey, every time we had a call, that's why there's this little clicking noise. Because it was me moving around in my wheelchair, right? Wow. And they had no idea. Um, and I wanted it to be that way because that was a part two. I, like, that was a little thing I associated myself with, right? I'm like, it's going to be really cool when I tell them, hey, you know, this whole time mm. I've been actually in a wheelchair and I'm recovered now. Yeah, like, look um, at me now. Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of it is, is this something that's, is this thing that's happening? Is this a really terrible thing or is this going to make a great fucking story when I get out of it? When I beat through it, this is going to make me so much fucking stronger, right? Yeah, and saying, like, when I do, not if I do. Like, when even I do. that is, like, the language you're using and told when yourself. When I do. Yeah. And anyone listening to this, you'll be like, oh, but, like, I'm in this situation now, and when I say, when I do, it doesn't feel right. It, like, it doesn't feel right because I'm not sure if I'll get out of it. I'm not sure if I'll get better. The one thing in life, it, it's constant. It's a fucking universal law as much as gravity has changed. So this situation will change, right? Okay. And even if it doesn't feel right now, practice it. Visualize yeah. what will make it feel right, right? What will happen when it does happen? So can it literally be if it's a health situation? What is it going to feel like when you're going to do that thing that you love to do that maybe at this instant right now you can't? How much more are you going to appreciate it? Yes. Right? How much more are you going to fucking just enjoy it? I love that. Yeah. And I've even thinking of like my own situation with my knee. Yeah. I've been really trying to be like, okay, when I can run again, how amazing is that going to be? Or when I can get back to this, it's going to be great. And like that's something that I do. So that definitely helps. Or it's even like people, some people don't like saying like affirmations to themselves. But it's like, okay, the more you do it, I find sometimes it's a little fake it till you make it. And that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, focusing on like how you'll feel when is a good way because we all have feelings we all know what it feels like to do something we can't do anymore so i think focusing that on the feeling is a really good really good advice um even going back to what you said with your physiotherapist and how you're Mm -hmm. like no like i want to i want to walk like i don't want you to help me be comfortable i think 
And maybe you can touch on your experience with different doctors or different health professionals. Yeah. Like when we have a good relationship. Yeah. Me, horrible relationship with my family doctor. I ended up switching. Yeah. I, for a while, I blamed her for my knee because I injured it twice. It was a whole thing. But now I'm like, okay, I have a great relationship with my surgeon. And he really makes me feel like, okay, things are moving along well. Yeah. I'm like asking him questions. He makes me feel like, oh, that's normal. You're on the right path to recovery. You're great. So can you tell me about like different relationships and how they, that affected you? 100%. Um, yeah, 1,000%. Um, I feel just as doctors can cure, they can also make people sick and not just with the actual practice, but their words. Yeah. So I had one uh, physician who literally spent an hour and a half, a total of three hours, basically going through everything that was wrong with me. Like just saying some like fucked up wording. He's like, look, if your brain was a GP, uh, computer, this would be your GPU, and it's fried. So we got we would have to throw it out. It's like holy shit, man! Like look at the words that you're telling. One of these though. <laughs> yeah, look at the words off. exactly, exactly. So I was thinking like, oh, I'm fucked, right? Yeah. So as just as like, but on the other half, you told me like, look, hey, this stuff. Let's not focus on it. Let's focus on actually getting you better. Let's focus on this, this, and this. I've had X people do this. You are going to be fine, right? So a thousand percent, like it makes a huge, huge difference, right? That there's that level of trust, right? And that level of comfortability with the person you're treating. Because at the end of the day too, I really, really do believe this. Uh, the doctor doesn't make you better. You make yourself better. The doctor is there to help you. So often I hear, kind of see this mentality of like, we put doctors on this pedestal, right? That we think they're gods that, oh, whatever, they can just fix it, right? You fix yourself, right? You are your ultimate cure, healer, everything. Um, they're there to guide you and they're to be a resource and help you, right? They're not these omnipotent beings that we may put on because they graduated from Harvard or Stanford or are well-recognized. They're obviously really smart. They're well-accomplished. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's about finding someone on your journey as you're recuperating, right? Um, so the guys that helped me recover were these guys from the UK, absolutely amazing like the, i think the work they do is better than magic right um they helped me being from a wheelchair literally in three four months walking ten thousand steps a day fifteen thousand steps a day running working out working swimming um what i wanted to do and a lot of the stuff they talked about is like, look, a lot of doctors, they approach it like a chicken factory. It's like next, 15 minutes, next, 15 minutes, next. Pretty prevalent in Canada too, because Canada, there's like hundreds of patients, right? Yeah. There's no emotional connection where on the other half, there's this great story I love. This one doctor, this guy was telling me a story about his doctor. And he's like, look, I went to go do a blood exam because I was having a bit of heart issues and heart issues run in my family. So I went to go see the doctor. The doctor does the tests. I go out, I come back up and he sees me again and he's like, look, Ed, um, I'll tell you after this guy talks about it in depth on his YouTube channel if anyone wants to go check it out. The guy's name is Ed Mylett. And he talks about, Ed, um, so got your exams here. I just have a question. Do you have a daughter? He's like, yeah. Okay. Are you okay with another man giving your daughter away at, his, at her wedding? What the fuck's on these exams, man? Uh, do you have a son? Yeah. How old is he? He's 14. Okay. Are you okay not being at his high school graduation because of your heart issue? 
Are you married? Yeah. Are you okay with another man being with your wife? Because you're not there anymore. Right? So intellectually, you could have been like, hey, you know what, Ed, you got to change your diet. You got to do some exercise. Boom, boom, bam. Mm. Intellectually, you could have just done that. But emotionally, what we talked about, information is retained with emotion. Mm-hmm. He gave his example and he's like, I never forget that. Because anytime I don't want to go work out, boom, I remember my daughter. I got to be there for my daughter's wedding. Mm. Boom, I remember my wife. I got to be there for my wife. Boom, I remember Jimmy. I got to be there for his college graduation now, right? Any day I don't feel like going, boom. So it's immense. It's uh, doctors are understanding the body to amazing lengths, but it's just not the body. It's the mind too, right? And our understanding of it. So thousand percent, these are the guys that when they worked with me, I could WhatsApp them anytime. And sometimes I would. These are guys that right off the bat, like, look, we're going to help you recover and you are going to recover, right? They gave me certainty, right? Uh, these are guys that just had a huge hearts and I could really feel it, right? Mm-hmm. And I could feel that he was really there to help me. And that made all the difference because I just felt it was another transaction. If I felt I had to watch the clock for each appointment, like, shit, uh, we're two minutes over. He's going to have to leave now or whatever. Like, no, okay, cool. We're two minutes over. It doesn't matter. Like, let's just finish this point. And if anything, you can yeah. message me later via WhatsApp. Right? Big, big difference. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it even makes me think of like just the importance of interpersonal skills, which I think as a world, like we're losing because kids these days, I mean, a lot of people, maybe not just kids, but a lot of people struggle to like communicate and just know how to. Yeah, build interpersonal skills. And I think that's something I see so much as a teacher. Like, you know, we call it post-COVID times, whatever. But it's like, okay, how many years are we going to blame COVID? Like, these kids need to learn how to interact and, like, work with each other. It's like this – it's scary yeah. to see some – almost some a level of, like, apathy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just makes me scared for when they grow up. It's like, how are you going to manage – life like interpersonal skills i don't care how smart you are you know what degree you have just like you're saying with these doctors it's like the way you're able to communicate with people how you make people feel if people are comfortable around you like that stuff matters for you know your relationships for your job for an interview like it's just crazy to think these skills i think not that they're undervalued but just in our society today we're losing it a little bit. What do you think about that? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Um, the way kind of we talked about it in the Tony Robbins event was just engagement, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say even an example of like team engagement for like a company, but even engagement in terms of like excitement, even in terms of engagement in terms of just connection with others, right? Uh, I think what tends to focus is we're literally on this computer all day is my phone, not iPhone, but we're on this computer hours and hours a day, all on our, just focus inwardly on ourselves or just scrolling mindlessly, right? Mm-hmm. And when you fundamentally think about it, again, not to get into the whole thing like of just like cell phones or anything, but it's something where there's like just this dopamine that we release every time we scroll on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, right? And it's very addicting. And literally the content we're consuming is all around a lot of, um, let's say, even following social media influencers, right? It's about Mm -hmm. 
influencing like young kids, people, uh, like children's brains, even older brains of just being that person, being that influencer, being that wealthy, being that fit looking, being that picture perfect, right? And he gets his focus very inwardly. And one of the big, really big reflections I had at this event was when you're just inwardly focused, there's a lot of suffering happening too, right? But when we focus outside of ourselves on someone, on a cause bigger than ourselves, right? It's amazing what we'll do for other people. It's amazing the lengths we'll go to give and to love for others. So a lot of it is just like this significance focus. And that's a term Tony Robbins literally uses at how it's a lot of like in children, it's just YouTube. I want to be a YouTube professionally, right? That's like the number one career choice a lot of like children have these days. Like 10, 12, I want to be, because they see this guy getting all this attention and everything. And they're that guy or they're that YouTuber, right? Um, or instead of focusing on, let's say, change they actually want to make, right? Or any day we're, we're all going to the ground, right? We're all getting buried or cremated or whatever. Um, you can't take any of it with you. Mm-hmm. So does it really, really matter whether you're that guy? Because in a generation two, they're not going to remember that guy because there's another mm-hmm. 50 other guys or that girl, right? No. No. Yeah, and I think when you can recognize like, okay, it feels good to connect with people or like the impact yeah. you can have and like learn to really yeah, just like care. I don't know. It's just like it's cool to care. Like as like live as that yeah. sounds like. I don't think it's lame. I think it's awesome. good when you – yeah, when you care about people, when you show up for your friends, and when you were saying at the beginning, like just giving love without necessarily needing it in return or knowing what that will look like. Yeah. Um, but I just think, I don't know. I think we're getting there. But yeah, for a long time, it's like you feel like it's just harder these days because of social media and just... It's just patterns, right? Again, yeah. just patterns. Yeah, patterns people engaging with technology, remote work phones just patterns right that just kind of conditioned a lot of things people again too um no one's perfect i use my phone a lot too but i realize i'm a lot happier when i don't some of the most peaceful days are even when i just don't even turn on the phone right mm-hmm. um i think that's just really powerful too it's like whoa it's like 80 percent calmer today and when i just didn't even use my phone yeah. <laughs> didn't scroll social media yeah I know. Well, that's like presence, right? That's one of my big themes is like, just be where you are. And if you need to put it away or like, even when you're doing the dishes, like focus on what you're doing and thinking about how that action can like help you in some way. 100%. Taking small steps to working towards that big goal, whatever that is. And small steps. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we're Can almost at an we've hour been here. Yeah, that's crazy. Time's flown. I was going to say, is there anything else we didn't touch on that you wanted to... Um, let's just relate to one of the points you talked about via email before was just on pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Related to how everything is self-made belief, like everything in life, and anything that you may be listening to, like, oh, well, this thing is in self-made belief. That's probably just... <laughs> that's BS. So that's either a belief system you have or just bullshit, right? Everything is self-made belief. And it's about the beliefs that consciously or subconsciously we're choosing. So it's about understanding which subconscious beliefs we have. 
Um, the reason pain is inevitable is there will things that happen. Suffering is when you think they're happening to you in that for some reason, you're the only one who's been, let's say, had this thing happen to them. When we discuss there's millions of people who had it happen before, there's millions of people who are having it happen now. Maybe there's billions of people that'll have to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. It's not you, just something, right? Um, you realize it's actually an opportunity to improve. So when I realized that, like, I'm like, wow, this is going to be a great story. When I started working with these guys uh, that helped me recover, they're called the Fibro guy in the UK. I remember writing to Paul, the guy I worked with, and be like, hey, look, um, I know the reason, one of the reasons too, I really, really want to get better is I want to showcase to others who may be going through a similar health situation that I recovered. And if I recovered being bedbound, unable to move, unable to feed myself, unable to scratch my nose, to a wheelchair, to now doing this, they can too, mm -hmm. right? Um, Actually, let's talk about that. So yeah. did you tell me about your event? I'm sure you ended up doing it. I did. I did how it virtually because we were in COVID. But yeah, okay. I did it. How does it feel or how did it feel to like be like, I knew I was going to do this and I, I did it? So like, there's one you? word that I kept on using over and over again and I felt in my body every time I said it. It was the word covered, right? Because recovered is a powerful word. For me, it meant this thing was over. I was over the mountain, right? I was on the news. I'm recovered. Recovered means absolute. And uh, I still get goosebumps, actually, even from using that word. So even when I was calling other people, too, because I remember picturing there's a lot of people that I knew business-wise or just different things or even some of my friends, me able to say the words, I'm recovered. It just felt like that was so much stronger. And again, too, it was something I practiced so many times, though, right? So it actually wasn't that different from me when I was in bed saying that word, recovered. I just felt it stronger and stronger, mm. right? I'd already been feeling that for about a year and a half at that point. Yeah. So it's like the whole thing is like just for time to catch up. Uh, yeah. Love that. And you feel really blessed. Um, my mom became really religious, was already religious. She became even more religious. You start realizing the thing bigger than you. Like I really believe like the way I found these guys too. So we're talking about really about doctors at this point. I saw one of the world specialists in this thing, chronic fatigue syndrome. Like one of the world specialists. She couldn't help me. She didn't help me. Wow. Um, and the way I found these guys was literally just one day I was so angry, so fucking frustrated because in my wheelchair I would get in the shower. And when I'd open the shower, cold water would come out first before hot water. And the way I'd have to get in the shower with my wheelchair, I'd have to get out of my wheelchair and sit in a chair and then I'd turn on the water. Because I couldn't reach the shower knob being outside of it. So I had to get in the shower, then turn it on. And cold water would always come out first. And I'd be fucking freezing. And I'd be like, fuck this. I fucking hate this. I'm freezing my ass off. And I remember one day I was just so angry, so frustrated. And it's just cool. Like, maybe there's something here. I just remember that thought. Like, maybe there's something here. Cold showers and CFS. I Googled cold showers and CFS. And these guys were the first fucking article. And wow. I clicked on them. Like, this seems too good to be true. Which is another thing too. The most important thing and the reason I felt I recovered is fundamentally hope is the hardest thing to maintain, but it is the most important thing to maintain, mm. right? And the hope that I kept maintaining was just visions, that visualization that I kept on seeing. 
because I took it from something in my mind to feeling it in my body. I mean, you're repeating the words recovered, 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 recovered over and over again. Um, and I remember, um, so I found these guys and emailed them. They didn't reply. I almost didn't email again. I emailed them again. They replied, jumped on a call, did the program and recovered completely. Wow. Um, but I think that was God literally just helping me finding those guys the way I did. Cause there's no, I went to Miami to search for this specialist and I found these guys in the UK. Just a random Google, Google search. Random Google search. From something that you were just annoyed about. Yeah. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah, and it's so crazy. Like you never know. I feel like the never. timing too, I think trusting in the timing of like, okay, it happened at the right time and like you recovered yeah. at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, did you ever feel like, okay, I need to like make up for lost time? No. Or you're so just a lot like, of people, okay, begin again. A lot of people, I remember God would call some people after like, oh, I imagine you probably want to make up for lost because it was five years that I was, had that thing, right? Five years. Three years where it was kind of like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. One year in the wheelchair and then one year in, like three years I could walk, I could move. But I just remember trying to like, work and it was really hard because things would take me 30 minutes to take me three four hours yeah. i would want to sleep like 14 15 hours a day because i just wanted to sleep all day didn't have any energy but i could walk i could move uh but then 2019 is when i got like the situation where i was in bed so it's 20 uh, 2016 to 2021 2021 is when i recovered and i remember talking to people like oh you probably want to like like uh get back lost time i'm like no i never never thought about it like that the thoughts never crossed my mind because I got a second life. Mm. That's inherently how I feel. Inherently, I feel I got a second life. Inherently, this is the best thing that ever fucking happened to me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I can explicitly that words, but I remember I was crying coffee with one guy who was in Miami. And he's like, oh, man, you probably want to get... I'm like, no. Because at that point, like, I didn't realize how strong I was until I had to go through that. Right? Mm. And I got to go through that. And, uh, there was, uh, there was this one lady and, uh, she'd come visit me quite often. She had fibromyalgia. So it was just something very similar, but with a lot of pain, physical pain. And she'd come visit me. And one of the quotes she'd always say to me again and again was, Hey, look, everything that is coming is magic. Everything that is coming is magic. She would say it in Spanish. It sounds a bit different, but basically the same idea. And, uh, and uh, I remember when I recovered, I called her. I actually prank called a lot of people when I recovered because I basically prank called them. Like, so the, she was a real estate agent and I prank called her. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm going to buy some houses. Mm. She's like, oh, well, how'd you get my number? Well, this guy named Andre Bazooch here. Oh, Andre. How's Andre? I haven't heard of him. Oh, he's doing great. He actually recovered. He recovered. That's amazing. And then I tell him who I was and then we catch up and I tell him that I recovered. Um... But she'd always tell me that. And um, when, I, when I called her, I told her, like, you always told me that everything is coming is magic. What I realized, everything that's been is magic too. Mm. And the moments that were really fucking hard, the moments where you can't believe what's happening, whereas there's so much pain, you, you, you don't think it's real. You think this must be a movie. This can't be happening. Yeah. There's, there's something wrong. Like there's, there's a glitch in the system. Let's re turn it off and restart it because there's something wrong here. Um, you realize it was all a blessing. Mm. 
Well, you get like a new sense of appreciation. For everything. Like you said, for everything. And even that makes me think of this book called Bittersweet. And she talks about how life has to be bitter and sweet. And you can't have the highs without the lows. And the, you know, the joys without the sorrow. And grief and pain in some form is something that like humans will all experience in some way or another. Whether it's going through an illness or dealing with a loved one passing away whatever so I think you know what advice would you give that we haven't maybe touched on of someone who's really in the thick of it and they're like I'm just grieving so hard and I don't know I can't like see the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel I think it relates to what we talked about change and you're not the only one who's gone through this Mm. that Inherently, too, it's often these things where you have no choice but to get better that you become so much stronger than you ever thought you could. And the example of one person, again, like this, there's a person who Tony talked about at the event, how he she had lost her boyfriend um years before 2001 and when she was at a tony robbins event uh it was during 2001 9 11 she lost the boyfriend her time was going to be on her fiance and she's like i can't believe it i've lost two people in my life people i've loved so so deeply why does this happen to me why me why Why can't, like everyone else, why can't I just be the person that just finds someone and they don't die, right? Or have something horrific happen to them. And when he replied to her, he's like, this is a sign from God. That you've got to love every fucking day the people in your life. This is a sign from God to never fucking take granted any day. Yeah. And does that mean that every day from that point on, she'll be in this amazing state of bliss and gratefulness? No, she's human humans we get off unconscious that's what makes it fun we're not perfect but she'll be much more conscious and understanding and appreciative of everything in her life so even the thing of becoming aware or even this thing of becoming conscious of the pattern does that mean that you'll never let's say in the example going to the fridge you'll never go to the fridge again and you have a little stressful pop up absolutely not no because there's still that old pattern in you but you know yourself that it's not you you know yourself not to beat yourself up over it right yeah when I started studying, like, let's say meditation or pra- mindfulness, anytime I didn't feel I was mindfulness, I started beating myself up. Like, man, I know better than this. What the fuck? Yeah. Right? And you realize you're human. You realize that no one's perfect. You realize that everyone is a student in the school of life. And then you start realizing, oh, but I'm much more conscious about it now. And I'm getting better and better. Right? I think it's like that example of, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, that makes me think of, oh no, now I lost it. Um, oh yeah. I always try to say like, show up as your best self, whatever your best self looks like that day and recognize that it's going to shift and change and that your best self one day might just be, okay, I did some chores around the apartment and I can't do anything else, but tomorrow I'll begin again. And it's like, giving yourself the grace of hey I'm not perfect and 
some days are going to be great some are going to be not great but yeah not identifying as it's not who I am inherently it's just the choices that I'm making and if this is all the energy I have for today then I'm okay with that and tomorrow we'll try again but like appreciating it and trying to just show up in whatever capacity you can 100% and maybe this is a great note to end it on too success builds on success that's the only thing success builds on so what i've always found to people in business or sports you're gonna have a bad day you're gonna not have a great game you're not having a great day but can you find that thing in the game that was great can you find that play that you made that was great can you find that thing that you did was great so that's what you're gonna build on and when you start doing that you train your muscle your inner muscle to find what's great when you give feedback to people even though something you're like, oh, that was fucking awful, or this person was an asshole, or this person with all these things, fuck that person. Can you take a second and pause and be like, you know what? I don't agree with this, but great fucking job on this. Because mm-hmm. if you do that again and again, you're going to build that muscle inside you where you train yourself to always find the good thing yeah. and appreciate the good thing first. Just because if not, you're just training yourself to always find the bad thing. And this is what's wrong. And this is fucked up. And this is wrong. How could they say that? How could she do that? Right? But wait. What else could this mean? Well, thank goodness she did this. Right? Thank goodness Paul said that. Right? You train yourself to do that. It's a conscious choice. And then you do it enough times and enough times and enough times and enough times it becomes subconscious. I love that. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andre, for this being on. I feel like we had a great conversation. I definitely think people will get a lot out of this. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, awesome. And before we end off, one quick question I'd like to ask is yeah. tell me one thing that you are excited about right now. Excited about right now? Uh, so Christmas is around the corner. I've been with my girlfriend for a few months but we've been long distance so she's actually coming where i'm here right now i'm in paraguay right now she's coming this saturday and Amazing. i'm really excited to see her yeah. that's awesome well i hope yeah. that being reunited is good and all goes well yeah. and happy holidays thank you. to you Amazing. yeah thank you victoria okay well thank you so much everyone for listening and i will chat with you next week